Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Thank you for joining us today. We have a great word prepared for you. I'm going to be continuing in our series, The Full Armor of God, and today we're going to focus on the breastplate. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you open eyes today, that you meet needs, that you turn hearts. Father, we have gathered around your word because we're hungry for you. So meet us in this moment, God. This is an incredible time in history uh, for everyone in this congregation. We're, We're going through things we have never gone through before. And may your word speak to our situations and give us insight and illumination. We give you all the honor and glory in advance. And I pray this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. And as you know, we are in the full armor series. And today we're going to focus on the breastplate of righteousness. But as as normal, we're going to back into our focus. Paul says by the Holy Spirit, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Now, no part of the armor can be excluded if we want to win. There are no shortcuts to spiritual strength. It said the what? Whole armor. In fact, with God, the shortest distance between two points is really a shortcut. Uh, do you remember Abraham and Sarah? Uh, you know, uh, they couldn't have a baby, so they decided that, you know, we're going to come up with a, a shortcut. And old Abe had relations with, with Hagar. And the Middle East is still at war over that particular shortcut that Abraham and, and Sarah decided to take. And, and whenever we let instant gratification trump God's word, trump God's principles, we, we end up bamboozled by a shortcut. And we have to be very, very careful and mindful to go God's way and submit to God's process. Proverbs 14 and 12 tells us more. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, this is a scripture that God has spoken into my heart. I can't count the number of times. If he did it one time, he probably did it a thousand times over the years. Because on the surface, you know, a shortcut makes sense. You know, let's not waste time. Let's get this thing done. But when all is said and done, we can never improve upon God's plan. You know, I have spent years actually trying to talk God out of his plan for my life, but every departure has been a subtraction and not an addition. God's calculations about our lives are perfect, and they can never be improved upon. In fact, Jesus himself could not better God's will. Let's, let's go there. Matthew 26 and 39, Jesus was expressing his humanity to the Father. The, the human part of Jesus, you know, didn't want to go through with the cross, and that makes sense unless Jesus was masochistic. So I'm glad to read scriptures like this. And, and he felt the tug of, of comfort and, and ease just like all of us do, but he made an incredible decision. Watch what he says. Well, actually, what Matthew says, he went a little further, speaking of Jesus, and he fell on his face. And and we feel overwhelmed, and we want to go in a different direction with God. We got to push ourselves a little further. But he humbled himself completely. Falling on his face was him humbling himself and just laying out before God and saying, Lord, I, I need your will. And he prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It was not possible for salvation to come any other way except through the cross of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, it's not possible for us to ever improve God's plans for any of us. God's plan A is always his best plan. In fact, if there was another way for salvation to come, God's approval of Jesus' death was not only unnecessary, but particularly cruel. Back to Ephesians 6 and 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Again, no part of the armor can be excluded if we want to win. We must take up the whole armor. We must be, as we taught last week, uh, rooted in truth. But we're about to discover some things about righteousness. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? With stand. According to Scripture, we are not defenseless, though sometimes we will certainly feel like it. And sometimes I feel like I walk around with a great big old bullseye on my back. And when, when Scripture tells us to forgive and go the extra mile, sometimes we feel vulnerable and, and, and like folks and, and just life sometimes is going to take advantage of us. But, but watch what Paul says by the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 and 36. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us, meaning we will struggle at times, but we will come out of those struggles even stronger. One day, a farmer's donkey, I'm going to tell you this story, fell into an abandoned well, and there was a huge hole in the ground, and the mule, the donkey just, just fell in, and, and the animal cried pitifully for hours, and he just moaned and, and wailed, and, and the, the farmer tried to figure out, you know, what to do about his, his donkey. Finally, he decided, you know what, the animal's old. And he needed to cover that well anyway for safety's sake. So he decided that, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, get the donkey out because he's going to die shortly anyway. So what he did is he invited all of his neighbors to come and, and give him a hand. And they each grabbed a shovel and, and began to shovel dirt into the well. And realizing, this is important, what was happening, the donkey at first wailed horribly. I mean, he was crying and moaning. Uh, but then a, a few shovelfuls later, he quieted down completely. And the farmer looked down the well and was amazed by what he saw. With every shovelful of dirt that hit his back, the donkey did something absolutely incredible. He would shake it off and take a step up on the new layer of dirt. As the farmer's neighbors continued, as well as the farmer, to shovel dirt on top of, of, of the animal, he'd shake it off and step up. He'd shake it off his back, and then he'd take a step up. Pretty soon, the donkey was able to step over the edge of the well, and he trotted off. And he amazed everyone watching. And here's the lesson. Life is at times going to shovel dirt on you. People are going to do things that, you know, are intended to actually bury you alive. But the trick to getting out of, of your hole, out of your well, is not letting what others do bury you, but learning to shake it off and take a step up. And that's what this spiritual armor is all about, having the proper attitudes, the proper convictions, the proper beliefs that when dirt gets thrown your way, you have the equipment to withstand the dirt that poured on you and just shake it off and come out shinier than you did uh, even before you went into the hole. Back to Ephesians 6 and 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor, the whole arm of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We will all have days when we want to put 
a certain finger up on our hand. Don't be so tense. I'm talking about the pinky. And having done all to what? Stand. Now, a Roman's soldier's uh, uh, equipment, the weight of it ranged from roughly 60 pounds, 70 pounds to 100 pounds. So these soldiers needed to be particularly fit not only to fight but to stand in this armor a whole day. And, and the reason we're in the Word uh, every weekend, the, the reason why, you know, we have Bible studies on Wednesday, the reason I've added Tuesdays and Thursdays to our, our, our repertoire is not just because I don't have things to do. We have a whole lot of things to do. We have lots of needs, lots of people, etc. But my goal is to make sure you are fit for the times. Uh, it, it said, you know, I, I'm not really a big exercise guy. I, I, I do my 15 minutes, you know, three or four times a, a week. But it's said by, by guys that really do this type of thing, and, and ladies, it said that it's the last three of the four reps that make the muscles grow. Paul said, stand therefore, having girded or belted your waist. Now, we talked about this uh, uh, last week. Uh, the belt was a vital part of a soldier's armor. It was the first piece that a soldier put on, and it connected the most essential part of the uh, soldier's armor. The belt was actually put around the breastplate uh, to keep it from breaking loose and to keep it also from flapping in the wind. Sword was put into the belt. Arrows, spears, and other supplies were also attached to the belt, particularly if they traveled long distance. And when the shield was not in use, even that was attached to, to the belt. And if you ever saw a soldier without his, his belt, that meant he was off duty. So this belt meant a lot of things, and it signified that, that this soldier was ready and prepared for whatever was coming in his direction. It says, having girded or belted your waist with truth. If you want to win your spiritual battles, the first thing you need to settle in your hearts is the source of truth. And we dug into this last week. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17, your word is truth. King James Version, thy word is truth truth. And until the written word becomes central and, and, and the ultimate authority in your life, you will not be in position to overcome your adversary. We, we got to understand that, that the word of God is truth and it protects us and guides us and keeps us. So we need to study to show ourselves approved. But then from here, Paul moves on to the breastplate. He says, again, just like he said, having put on the belt, he says, having put on the breastplate. Now, just like the belt, a breastplate's very hard to put on in the middle of battle. I mean, if, if someone's fighting with you, it's very hard to say, hey, hold on, you know, let me put on the breastplate. It's something you want to have on before the battle. You know, it's our preparation today that determines our success tomorrow. That's why I'm glad you've tuned in. And, and the times we spent in, spent in the Word of God are actually uh, moments to, to prep you and make you ready for, for the things you're going to face in, in life. You know, preparation is a lot like uh, an umbrella in, in the rain. 
And, 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 and you know, we, we've all heard the saying by Benjamin Franklin. It says, uh, he, he said, by failing to prepare, you're, you're planning to fail. And we must be prepared. So, again, having put on, it's saying we need to be ready. So now is the time to get the word in your heart for what's going to happen the next season. Every weekend I come with a word for that week. And sometimes you're not ready for the week because you didn't get the word on the prior weekend. And I don't just talk out of the side of my mouth. I, I'm in God's face. I'm praying, Lord, what should I talk to him about? And the word that he gives me is to make you ready and fit for whatever it is you are to face in your week. It says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate protected the soldier from neck to waist. It covered the heart and all the vital organs from back to front. And the problem with many of us, though, is we try to fight in our own righteousness. And, you know, our own righteousness is basically like trying to go, you know, going into a knife fight with a paper bag wrapped around your, your, your chest. There's really no power and, and there's no strength. You know, we, we kind of go into battles like, Lord, look at all I've done for you. And I, because of all I've done for you, Lord, I ought to win. But the reality is, it's because all that Christ has done for us that we can live and we can prevail and, and we can win in life. Self-righteousness has, has destroyed more lives of believers than, than, than drugs, alcoholism, and gambling combined. Self-righteousness is one of the most dangerous things that a person can ever deal with. This is why Jesus was so constantly at odds with the Pharisees. They were highly moral people, and they were careful to try to make sure they fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. However, the problem was there was a self-righteousness about them, and Jesus even talked about it. Two people went into prayer. One was a Pharisee, and he went into prayer and said, well, thank God I'm not like, you know, all these other people. I'm not, not like that one. I'm not like that one. And they were comparing themselves with themselves to prove themselves or really to state their value. And that's what we do. You know, I'm better than my neighbor. Well, at least I didn't do what she did. But you know, the standard is not your neighbor. The standard is God's holiness, God's perfection. The standard is God himself. And how many of you have lived up to God himself? How many of you can operate with the level of integrity, righteousness, and, and, and pure motivation just like the Father? None of us can, so we've all fallen short. But he said, you know what? Two people came to pray. One was a Pharisee. Thank God I'm better than everyone else. But then there was a senator came in and said, well, you know what? I believe it was a tax collector. And he just asked the Lord to have mercy because he recognized what he needed. And self-righteousness will rob you from the mercy of God, the grace of God. It will cause you to defend, you know, uh, your, your errors versus repenting and, and doing better. It's a very, very dangerous thing. And Jesus was very serious about self-righteousness because if you think you got it all together, why would you need God? Why would you need a cross? Why would you need a Savior? So self-righteousness will keep you from the saving power of Jesus Christ. So it is one of the most deadly sins, if you will. Let's go to Romans 1 and 16 and listen to what Paul tells us about righteousness. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, Rome was the center of culture, was the center of education. It was the center of power at that time in, in history. And to preach in Rome was like preaching at Harvard. It was like preaching at the Pentagon. It was like being invited to the White House. It was like, you know, preaching at the National Cathedral. But it didn't faze Paul at all. Why? Because prayer in private 
results in boldness in public. For it is not just words, the gospel. What I'm teaching you today is not just about personal eloquence. It's not just about a good idea. But for it is, speaking of the gospel, the power of God to salvation. Meaning there's power in this gospel. I have tried him and found him to be everything he said he would be. It is not just, again, ideas. It's literal power. So not, God only tells me to live a certain way. He gives me power and grace to live that way. And actually the proof that I receive the grace and mercy of God is in how I live because it's not just, again, talk. It's really about power to live this thing out. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone, 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 everyone. I don't care how bad your background. I, I, I don't care how limited your ability is. God's power is greater than all of our weaknesses combined. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now, the message was first heard in Israel. Jesus preached in Galilee. He was crucified in Jerusalem. But then the gospel spread to the world. For in it, or in this gospel, the righteousness of God, what's revealed in the gospel? The righteousness of God is revealed. Now, Romans 3 and 23 says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So, rightness or righteousness with God cannot be earned. It can only be revealed. It can only be imputed. It can only be received. For in it, the gospel reveals a righteousness not of yourself, not based on your denomination, not based on what country you come from. I know some people say they're Christian because on the dollar bill it says, you know, in God we trust. Well, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ just because you were born in America. Uh, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is what? Revealed. So you may attend church. You may have grown up in a church. Your daddy may be a preacher. But the reality is you're losing spiritual battles because the people you listen to are preaching politics. They might be preaching pop psychology, uh, maybe 25 to 30 feel-good scriptures, but not an unashamed gospel that comes with power. Now, here's the good news of the gospel. By the way, gospel, all it means is good news. So, the gospel is good news. And, and to the ancient world, and particularly to those who were under the law, they needed some good news. And watch what the good news is. Romans 3 and 28. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is the good news. We're not justified by faith plus what we do after we're saved. We are saved exclusively by the price Jesus paid at the cross. I don't look to myself for my salvation. I look to him. There were 613 laws in the Old Testament that Jewish people had to follow. And all of the laws were a package 
deal. If you miss one of the smallest details of just the smallest law, you were guilty of breaking the entire law. I've explained this to you before. The law was a lot like a pane of glass. You didn't just break a part of it. If, if you broke any little piece of it, the whole glass was ruined and needed to be replaced. Now, here's the deal. We have all broken, every one of us, God's law. But here's the good news. This is, this is the good news. The good news is Jesus came to bear God's justice so we could experience God's blessing. He took our sins so we could share his righteousness. That's the good news. You and I don't have to be good enough anymore. We could never earn a relationship with a holy God. The good news is despite us, God wants to be in relationship with us. And he did not say, well, you know what? I will not be just I'll just kind of wink at your sins and let you in. No, he fulfilled the price paid for our sins was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So wrath was displayed. But because Jesus satisfied it perfectly, he was able to release mercy and grace. And other times we've talked about that. But let's go back to Ephesians 6 and verse 14, and we're going to begin to wrap up. He says, having put on the breastplate, this whole area, breastplate, of righteousness. But check this out. And, and I like this. I did a little research on, on the breastplate. And, and I discovered that the wealthier Roman citizens didn't wear the typical breastplates. They wore sculpted breastplates, a lot like the Greeks. And if you ever saw the movie 300, they, they wear these types of, uh, of breastplates. Meaning these soldiers they could be 60, 70 years old. They could look like something they were not, and that's big. So when we experience the riches of God's grace, God permits us to put on a breastplate so we can look like we have all of the spiritual perfections of Jesus that we do not actually have in ourselves. But by virtue of the fact that, that we're sculpted to look like Jesus when Satan sees us, he's absolutely terrified. So here's the thing. Here's a little wisdom. So after putting on the, the armor of God, stop doing things that let the devil know it's not Jesus. Don't do things that, that it's like, that, that can't be Jesus. I, I know it looks like Jesus, and, and he may have the, the, that breastplate on, but that can't be Jesus. Because Jesus would never, ever do that. Being successful with the breastplate not only includes believing right, but watch this, living right. I know a lot of folks don't like that, but here's the deal. When Christ came into my life, he gives me power so I don't have to do what I used to do. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.